You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Okay, who wants to talk about sex? Uh, that's a yes for me. And that'll be a yes for today's guest, Alexa Martinez, host of the brand new podcast that literally just launched, That Sex Chick. I love this woman. I'm very excited about this for a million reasons. Uh, But let me tell you about this conversation. We talk about orgasmic consciousness, the wild Saturn return that she had, her integration, BDSM. We talk about the differences between being a submissive and dominant, sex negotiations, What is an alpha sub? That was really cool to learn about. And you'll understand when you hear that part of the conversation, why I'm saying that now. Um, The shattering of our identity and what we believe to be true and how to take responsibility for your pleasure. Alexa is a sex coach, a relationship coach, but she's one of those people that Let's be honest, when you talk about sex or open relationships or how to have like a lively sex life, you probably think of some weirdo, hippy dippy people. And yes, that is cool. (laughs) Alexa is definitely not one of those people, though. She is so rad, so approachable, so grounded, incredibly spiritual and connected, sexy as hell. And she just creates a very welcoming, safe environment for her clients and her listeners to come forward and ask for more, knowing there is more here available for me. I don't know what it is, and I'm not really sure how to get there. But I know that when I come to Alexa, I will have a guide who has been a guinea pig and tried things herself who is open and free and so wise and willing to share her experiences and her journey in order to be of service to others. And as a woman who is in somewhat of a similar space, I respect the hell out of her. I think she is so incredible and I'm so excited that she is now a podcast host of that sex chick. So make sure you head over, check out her new show, Leave her lots of love because that's what we do in this community and listen in for all of her tips and tricks and nuggets and words of wisdom because she has plenty of them. All right. Here is Alexa. Uh, Alexa, can we talk about your Saturn return? Because it sounds like that was pretty aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I didn't know that it was a that it had a name. Until I was like almost through it. Oh no. What did you think was fucking happening then? I thought I was having like a really extra long dark night of the soul. (laughs) (laughs) Like I thought, I just thought everyone goes through this like individuation process. And I thought everybody, this is a quarter life crisis. I like, I don't know. (laughs) Um, I, when I say my corporate job, even my corporate job wasn't conventional. I lived on cruise ships for almost six years. And so I was an art dealer and I traveled the world and I was on wow. like 70, I visited 79 countries on ships. I was on 19 different ships over the course of that time. And, and I quit, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm gonna become a sex coach. And I kept traveling around the world and I shaved half of my head and I started tattoo sleeving my arm. And it was just one thing after the other, all kinds of crazy relationship configurations and sexcapades. And I lived the life that I was always supposed to live so that I could do the work that I do now. Mm. How would you define yourself before and after your Saturn return? Before Saturn return? Well, there was a a little period. um, So my partner and I have a really awesome relationship coach. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Annie Lala. And if you are not familiar with her, she is such a G and I I love, like I will pay someone all the monies if they give me just the one little tiny nugget that like makes all the difference, you know, and she's one that's just, she's legit. And, um, I've done some like 
different things with her. And she talks about, talks about your epochs of life. Like what part of your life were you really proud of who that person was? And right before I decided to leave ships and leave this job, it was my favorite epoch. It was Alexa on cruise ships. And she had like these pencil skirts and these, I wore Ted Baker, everything. And oh my, my hair God, was always slicked yes. back and I had like bold lipstick and I always had the, you know, I lived on ships where the ratio from male to female was, I think on any given ship, like eight to one. So I was always feeling myself. <laughs> I thought I knew who I was and I was really, I felt, I mean, I guess at that time, I, that's as much of what I could know of myself, <laughs> you know, um, I couldn't have known anymore, but at that time I just felt like, Oh, I get me. I know me. And in the midst of Saturn return, you know, having my first plant medicine experiences, having my first really big breakthroughs and orgasmic states of consciousness and all of that, it, it, it showed me, Oh, you got like to the, to like, to the top of the mountain, Mm. you know, and you're feeling yourself. And really, if you look around, you're actually on a hill and the mountain's right next to you. So it's kind of like that. On the other side of Saturn return, I am now growing out my hair. (laughs) (laughs) I still really like the tattoos. Um, I have been tending to this root chakra of mine, meaning we've landed in Austin and this is home and I'm being still. I have a dog. Her name is Little and she's a Frenchie and I'm obsessed with her. So my favorite is when you speak in her language on Instagram that yeah. brings me a lot of joy. Yes. Her, her name is Ditto. <laughs> and she has, she has things to say and she likes snacks. <laughs> so great. I mean, I love your content, but I'm really here for the dog. <laughs> Thank you. And I appreciate that so much, which is why she is, she is a solid figure in my branding because I love to share her so much. And I tell people that I work with, like, do you have dogs? And on a scale from one to you would eat them if you could, you love them so much. Like, I just need to know where you fall on that because that will determine if we actually put your dog in your branding. Yes. (laughs) Well, I'm a definite eat them if I could. So (laughs) yes, little is on and will always be on every sales or landing page I create. Oh my God. I need to do that. That is so smart. I am stealing that from you. I mean, you can have it. You don't have to steal it. I will. You just have it. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. I interrupted you as you were. Well, I, I, I'm not sure. I think, was it, were we still in you the were, question? Of you were, before yeah, you were talking after. Yeah. I, I mean, that's really me post Saturn returning, which for those of you who are not familiar, Saturn is in the same location at your 20 from like about 28, 29 to about 30, 31. It's in the same position as when you were born. And so you will go through this return of Saturn three times in your life oh god it comes back again oh yeah for sure oh fuck me i thought i was done oh no like you're like 50s it's it's then that next iteration right you've learned the next giant amount of wisdom and you think you've reached the peak and and then you get crushed again so that you're back in humility like like, hey dumbass you don't know shit (laughs) yeah so i would say after that like i i feel like i'm settling in my body Mm. I always knew what my purpose or had a, um, had an idea of the overarching topic in the direction of my purpose and all of that. But since all the crazy kind of settled down and I had all these wild experiences, it, yeah, it, it feels like it's all integrating now. And so my ability to hold container for people and to work with people in a lot of different ways is exponentially grown through that process. Mm -hmm. I want to go to the point about like orgasmic plant medicine experiences and plant medicine in general, because for me, mine have also been very orgasmic, very in my body, very sexually driven. Um, And I didn't really anticipate that. I've had really hard nights where, you know, you don't think you're going to make it out. And then I have other nights where I am like, I am making sexual motions with my body and I am on all fours. And there was a night when we were in Costa Rica last year and Connor's on the other side of the room from me, but I am definitely sure we are having sex 
during the ceremony. I'm like, Dan, this is good. Oh, wait, he's 50 feet away from me. Hmm. What is going on? So for me, it's been very orgasmic. And I think it opened up. I know it opened up every part of my body and my connection and my sensuality and all of that. So what was it like for you? At medicine's own orgasmic states of consciousness with mm-hmm. a combination of the two. Both. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have definitely felt um, a lot of sensation and um, felt orgasmicness through psychedelics. Uh, but I would say when I reference like an orgasmic state of consciousness, I'm, I'm more talking about subspace. So um, something like being tied in rope or being flogged or being bound, uh, vagal nerve stimulation. So being gagged, but from the, from the mouth, not gagged. I mean, I think you get what I'm saying. Yeah, gagged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if something is, is very gently and intentionally put into your mouth all the way to evoke the gag reflex, you're stimulating your vagal nerve, just as if you were having anal stimulation, that's also stimulating the vagal nerve, which once you go up to the edge of discomfort and like teeter totter right at the edge of this of discomfort. What happens right when you back off of it is like a whoosh of relaxation. And, um, so there's orgasmic states of consciousness. I would say like after some really intense, very powerful, um, orgasms or maybe even G spot stimulation, like squirting, it could involve that or not. But for me, there were a couple of times where all of these things were present and the way that they were stacked had me just floating in the cosmos, like totally floating in the cosmos. And in that space of like, oh my God, I, how did I not know I could go here? How did I not know? And it's very similar, like breath work as well. I've got, I've got gone to similar places now. I mean, when there's sex involved and there's like more to, I mean, they, they all have they all play a role and I'm excited about all of them. But of course I have a bit of a preference towards the ones where you're naked and yeah. there's sex and you're with your person, you know, you're with your person in that moment. So, um, breath work also very similarly. So meditation, but like, you know, you've got like a blindfold and a paddle and all these other little kind of kinky elements then. That's that's probably what I would prefer over. Now let's Wim Hof for yeah. 45 minutes. Uh, yeah, I don't need to Wim Hof. Thank you very much. Although we have a sauna and ice bath in the back now. That's all Connor. I'm like, you go Wim Hof your life away. I'm going to go downstairs and masturbate and bring myself to an elevated level of consciousness that way. Thank yeah, you. exactly. <laughs> you know, I have a Jordan, you have a Connor. And yes. Jordan and Connor would probably frolic into the biohacking wonderland together. Mm-hmm. If they could. Yes, they would. So. Um. Okay, so... I think this is interesting because I've never, I've never talked about this. I'm very curious. I don't know a lot about this. So there's a lot of stigma around certain sex acts. So being tied up, being choked, you're being gagged. We think of that in a very assaulty way. Like Mm -hmm. it is a negative thing and bad people do that to you, which I understand. I have been sexually assaulted. Many of my listeners as well. I'm sure many people in your community, same thing. Mm -hmm. And so there's this idea that that is bad. I can't like it. And it's a representation of something that is dangerous. But what I have noticed in being in relationship with Connor is that because it is a safe container, we are able to do those things and it is very stimulating. I didn't know that those certain things stimulated the vagal nerve and had that effect on your body. So I have kind of two questions within that. One, how do you coach people or work with them around understanding that they can perform these acts or have these experiences in a safe way that feels good. And also what is it that's happening within your body that is it's being triggered in the vagal nerve. And then you're having this rush of like good feelings from it. Mm. So really amazing question and a big question. And I will do my best because it is a loaded topic and a loaded conversation. And even though 50 shades was not an accurate representation of a good BDSM relationship or a DS relationship, uh, I am grateful to it because it did bring all of this into the mainstream so that we can start having these conversations, um, surrounding these topics. Um, so for me, 
when I entered my first DS type relationship, I didn't know what that was. I had no idea what was happening. Um, I just knew that I was very intrigued by this particular man that had a lot of power. I was living on ships at the time. He was the staff captain of a many thousand person vessel. And he was basically like the vice president of it. So he had a lot of power. He was like, as if my boss, my boss's boss, my boss's boss's boss, basically on the ship. And um, there was an attraction from the moment that we saw each other. And I remember the first time it was like one of the first days that he had gotten on board and I was walking in my particular area of the ship and he like walked through. And I remember like, you know, like butt pucker a little bit. Like, he's like, <laughs> act cool, act cool. And I was so, I was like, Ooh, you got your Louboutins on walk away from him. You know, like I had this whole little thing going on and, um, and I like knew it was palpable and the, the kind of tension right away. And I believe that he saw something in my demeanor and something in the way that I was showing up that he knew. I felt like he knew that I would wind up being the way that I would wind up being a, about a day later. So how it came to, to be at, I would just say like at this particular time in my life, I had found my way into personal development. I was doing a lot of studying and reading and meditating and yoga and all that on my own. And so I was really feeling for the first time in a long time, post breakup, post losing a bunch of weight, post like all of this, like really finding myself for the first time. And um, I felt very confident. I felt like I could navigate this very easily. This man with a lot of power is coaxing me into his lair. I will be the judge of that. You know, it was very like that kind of attitude. And when I was invited to his cabin, he, it was like, go like going through the door of his cabin was like Narnia. Whoa. And I immediately was like, I, you will hold your confidence, even though it looks like you are way, like you might be way out of your league. But the way that he introduced each thing to me was so present and with so much intention. And I always had an option. It was very much like, I'm going to do this thing. Pause. And I even just had to swallow, like put bringing myself back there, like swallow, like, are you going to do this thing? Because I'm going to do this thing. And then pausing for me to object or to say, okay, or to say, but do it this way or to have questions. Like it was a waiting for me to say, yes, sir. And okay. And over time with experiences with this person, did I start to really indulge and revel in this relationship that started and the education that started to unfold. And I was fascinated. I remember the first time I left his cabin and that was the first time that I had ever been intentionally choked, so to speak. And I'll say throat fucked, but it wasn't this vigorous thing. It was this very slow, intentional never took his eyes off of me. It was never in a sense about him. It was never necessarily about his pleasure. It was more about the experiencing the experience and the energy that he was creating around us. And I think if I wouldn't have had that much personal development stuff about meditation and awareness and all that, I wouldn't have been able to start putting this together mm-hmm. and it, and taking me over edges that I was very excited to go over, but also cautious and all that it, that seemed to be where he got his pleasure from was like taking me on this journey or taking me on this ride. And I remember the first time I left his cabin kind of wobbling my way home to my cabin, however many decks down going, I had no idea my body did that. I had no clue I would like that or I would enjoy that. And he was so sweet and so pointed and like did all of these things. And then it was like, okay, and this is done. And then the next time was a conversation about, okay, what questions do you have? And so I was really fortunate to be introduced to this world um, in a way that, you know, I didn't get to bring in stigma or judgment or anything because all of a sudden it was playing out in front of me Mm -hmm. and I was reacting. And I remember feeling so empowered by it all. Like there is a whole world out here that I know absolutely nothing about. And if I tried to recall what I ever thought it might be about, 
I was wrong. I was so wrong. And I'm certain just like in regular relationships and you meet somebody on Tinder and you go on a date and you wind up naked and whatever, just like that can be awkward as fuck and slightly traumatic. And you know what? I think I'll pass, you know, it's, there's a spectrum. There's like a range of the types of sexual experiences you can have and the types of people you can have it with. It's the same with DS. You get a good match and you'll have an amazing time together and you get someone that doesn't know their own boundaries and you don't know yours or they can't hold you while you figure yours out. And yeah, it, I can see it going sideways in a lot of ways, uh, but I see it going sideways all over the place. Mm-hmm. No matter, no matter if there's kinky stuff in the mix or not. And now fast forward several years when I work with people and they're interested in this and they're like, how do I begin? Like, what do, how do I even know what I might be into and all of that? So I have a, a couple of resources that I'm so happy to give to your listeners. The first one is a want, will, won't list. You got to know like what you, like what's off limits. Like I just said, I was introduced to throat fucking or being gagged. And, and like I said, that, that evokes a lot of relaxation after. And this is coming from a person that's like stomach of steel. If the thing is going to make me throw up like combo, absolutely not. Mm. Ayahuasca, it might make me throw up. I'm just going to need to sit with that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Like there's no throwing up here. Like absolutely not. <laughs> so the fact that I actually really enjoyed that was like kind of wild. Um, but if there's a part of your body that at some point in your life, someone did something to you too fast, too soon, without your permission, took it from you and you hold the charge of don't go there, then what can you do to start coming to terms with that within yourself, that it's okay. I'll give an example. I don't like my ears to be licked or bitten. I don't need a reason. I don't like it. If you're, if I'm with a person and their goal is for me to feel pleasure, don't fuck with my ears. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's, you're not going to achieve your goal that way. So the, the, the easier I can get that out, the, now we can move on. So that's, Got a story around the air situation too, but Jordan now knows I don't like it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So your want will won't list is a really amazing way to ask yourself a bunch of questions and for you to get like fluid with communicating. And the second thing, kink specific, bdsmtest.org. And you can survey and ask yourself, would you like on a scale of one to 10, red to green, would you be into being put in a cage and fed like a dog? And then when you hear that, you can go, the fuck is that? Kind of twisted motherfuckers like that. And then you can think about it for a minute. And then you're like, ooh, that's me. (laughs) I don't know. I don't have to make any decisions. Someone's taking care of me. Someone's petting me. I, the only thing I have to give my mind is act like a dog and be fed and petted. Like I could do that for 20 minutes and feel real good. So some people achieve those states by sitting cross-legged on a cushion with the guided meditation with Sam Harris talking in their ear holes or something. Or some people get it by being in a cage, lapping up water like a dog. Some people get that by getting on all fours while someone takes various impact instruments and pats and taps and scritches and scratches all over their back and buttocks and thighs. And some people get to that space by being tied up and suspended in the air for four and a half minutes until they got to come down because it hurts. Wow. (laughs) I kind of went all over the place. No, I love that. I love that. And what is happening when you are in these states where you're being gagged or things are going on and you said that the, the vagal nerve is being activated, I guess. I don't know if mm-hmm. that's the right word. Yeah. So that happens. And then what is it that overcomes your body that that actually feels good? Because in my mind, it feels like you're almost rewiring pain into pleasure, which is kind of what you do in somatic therapy. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of, a lot of impact, a lot of DS. It is, um, I'm in a training now called trauma and somatics with one of my really amazing friends. And there's a lot of the conversations that we're having where I go, Oh, these are parts of the conversations when you're in DS negotiation, Mm. because in order, because, because this is inherently risky, sex in general is inherently risky. Then you add elements of kink and, and DS 
and the psychological components on top of that, which there's already psychological components to sex, period. So a lot of times when I hear them talk in our training, I go, oh, this is a part of negotiation too. And if you want a great scene, great sexual encounter, which sometimes doesn't even involve penetration, it's erotically charged and there's no penetration, vaginal, penis, any kind. If you want it to go over well, then there needs to be these kinds of conversations. So I have a question. I've never talked about this on the show. I really hope Connor doesn't get upset with me, but I am really curious on your perspective. I'm going to take advantage of the fact that you're sitting in front of me right now. Great. So making me very uncomfortable. I'm sweating. Okay. (laughs) So when I'm with Connor, not, we don't have like a Dom submissive relationship by any means, but he's definitely in control when it comes to the sex. Um, I really like that. I am the fucking queen of all things. I run a company, podcast, the house. Like I'm very much in charge. I know exactly you, which is why I want to talk to you about this. Um, so for me to not be in control and kind of have to wait for him to be the one to like initiate or tell me what to do or throw me around or choke me or whatever, I'm very much here for that. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. However, whenever we have a threesome, I become very dominant and I am in control and I want to tell the girl what to do. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that, mostly because whenever you invite someone into your relationship, if they're a good person, they're trying to be respectful. And so the girl's always looking to me like, okay, what am I allowed to do? Are you sure that's okay? I really like being the one to call the shots and be like, go do this, like go do that to him. Or I want to watch you do this. I'm just very curious your perspective on this because I never thought that I would do that, but that's kind of just what's organically happened. Yeah. I'm the same. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Tell me more. I, I am the same. I mean, I've heard it described as, um, well now it, the, the phrase slipped my mind, but it was something like an, Oh, an alpha sub. An alpha I've heard sub. heard it described as an alpha sub where like with my partner. So like with Jordan, I would consider myself, I definitely want to go into the more submissive space, which I will throw this out there for everyone who is listening. Submissive does not mean passive. Mm -hmm. It does not mean you roll over and let things happen to you and you're not an active participant in it and you are taking on that role. And then another point of clarification, as far as power, a lot of times people think that those dynamics are, it's all about power dynamics. When um, I have two mentors that work together, one is a Tantra, I will call her a Tantra master. She's like 70 something years old and is just an absolute badass. Um, And one of the OGs of ISTA, you're familiar with the sacred temple arts. Mm -hmm. And she works with someone who has been a Dom for over 20 years. And she refused to like, she refused to let him take her through a scene because she thought all of the stigma, like she thought all of the stereotypical stuff about DS until he was like, I promise you are going to have your mind blown. And then she let him take her through a scene. And she was like, this is almost exactly what is going on in Tantra. So you have this typical white light thing and this typical dark light thing. And anyway, so Ohm has said that it's less about power and it's more about the Dom being in a position or being in a role of creating an experience that the sub wants to go on, Mm. creating a journey that the sub has agreed to go on. And so as long as you have this dominant person who is paying attention, who doesn't have their ego in the way and is paying attention to the person that they are in this relationship or this scene with, as long as that is happening and they can take them on this journey that they have consented to go on, then you're going to lead them on the other side to a place where everybody wants to be. Everybody's happy. Mm. And I, the whole alpha sub thing is if I desire to be a sub with my main partner, but I boss all day with decision-making and running business and a company and all of that, that is common for so many people. And I'm one of those people where I'm just like, I don't also want to make all the decisions in this. Like, please, I will get on my knees. I'll put my hands behind my head. I'll open my chest up and you just take, take me like, just tell me, tell me what you want me to do. I'm here. And then you get this little cute little person who wants to play with Jordan and I, and she's so different to me. She's so starry eyed and 
fluid, flowy and feminine. Cause this is always how this goes. And I'm just like, you get on your knees, mm. you know, like then there's this, like, I, I get the excitement of like, you want to play with us and that's really special. And I want to, let's take you for a ride. Meaning where, where do you want to go? What do you consent to? And all right, here we go. Let's go on. Let's go on the journey and see if on the other side, you know, we're all, we all have vagal nerve stimulation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to bring that back around. I love it. Just a brief interruption of this amazing conversation with Miss Alexa to tell you about Organifi. I did a sexy ad read once for Organifi and I feel like it came across kind of creepy and inappropriate, which I mean, that's what we do here. Um, so I was going to try and do that again, but I'm just not feeling the uh, deep, sexy voice. So we're just going to make it work. Here's the deal. It's cold as fuck here in Denver. It is officially snowing. I have a beanie and a turtleneck on and I am still limiting my caffeine intake. So I am doubling up on more my Organifi during the day. So I start my day around 6, 6.30, depending on when the dogs come and put their cold little noses on my naked ass in bed. And I wake up and we go upstairs and we play music and we have a beautiful morning routine together and I blend up my Organifi. I love mixing the chocolate with the regular gold or right now because it's in season, the pumpkin spice. And then I just blend it with hot water and a little bit of coconut butter. I've also been kind of mixing it up and doing macadamia nut milk, which is a new thing for me. Um, I don't like soy. I don't really like almond milk. So this is a really great alternative. Just a little tip from me to you. If you don't like those milks as well, macadamia nut doesn't really taste like much and it blends really well with the Organifi. So that is my little trick for the day for you. Um, but honestly, just knowing that I'm getting so many superfoods that help with deep sleep and recovery, I'm working out a lot harder again because I'm kind of back in a rhythm and feeling really good. So I cannot recommend the Organifi Golds enough. It is honestly my go-to every single day. And my friends come over to stay with us and they're like, okay, tell me the truth. Do you actually like this shit? Do you really drink it? And then they go into my cabinet and then all I do is feed them Organifi all day. And they're like, oh, okay, this isn't just a lie. So just for you people listening and wondering, does she actually believe this shit? Yeah, I do. I only share things that I wholeheartedly believe in. Sometimes I buy this stuff myself because I love it so much. So I'm not feeding you a bunch of crap. I am only giving you the best of the best. So if you go to Organifi.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. That really sounded weird when I sang the, sang the word. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. Use the code Kelly T for 15% off. I'm sorry. I'm clearly in a silly mood. Um, I also want to share an incredible resource. So I have talked about therapy on and off all year long. I actually had a really profound session with my therapist, Anna, today from BetterHelp. And the reason I keep coming back to this is because, again, here is a service that I'm sharing with you. I actually pay every week to use BetterHelp. Um, they gifted me a couple months um, free at the beginning before I started reading ads for them just to try out the service and see if there's somebody I wanted to work with. And I literally fell in love with my therapist. So Anna and I have been together, I think, since February, uh, pretty much biweekly this entire time. Especially when my mom died, we really ramped it up. I spent a lot more time talking to her. And then with Remy passing, I was in therapy even more. So our conversation today was just really beautiful. And it made me realize and remember how important therapy is. Because as I was thinking back, God, I've been through therapy from the time I was like 11 or 12 when I had my first suicidal thoughts, um, all the way up through college when I got sick. I had to stop playing volleyball. So I was in therapy because of chronic illness and also because I was having a full on identity crisis because I couldn't play the sport and the thing that I loved more than anything in the world anymore. And then I was in a relationship with someone who actually had their leg amputated and that was really intense and difficult. So I was back in therapy with that. Um, and then I did it on and off and then came back into it uh, this year 
And I'm so glad that I was introduced to BetterHelp because they make it really affordable and really simple. And I just get on a call with Anna every couple of weeks and I pay anywhere between 40 and $60 a week. And honestly, it's so great because even if I only use her biweekly, it's still completely worth it. But I know that if I needed to, I could book a session with her every single week that month and it wouldn't be this astronomical amount. Let's be honest. Most therapists these days are like $300 out of pocket. They don't take insurance. It's a disaster. So how many times are you actually able to see them? I see Anna. I know what I'm paying. There's no tricks. I know that I can message her anytime. It's unlimited. If I need her like randomly and we don't have a session booked, I can just message her and see when she's available. It's incredibly wonderful. And I don't know that I would be here today without the support of the handful of therapists I've worked with throughout my life. So all that being said, if you are feeling called to work with someone and step into that space, I highly recommend it. You can go to betterhelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P.com slash Kelly. And you can use the code Kelly for 10% off. Let me know if you use this too, because I think we all need to talk about therapy and break this stupid stigma that society has created. All right, back to Miss Alexa. Have you ever been the third? Yes. I know that I have been. Must not have been that good. So not, not a third in a, um, like they were a couple and I was this, I was the third, but more like we were kind of all equally involved with each other from more or less the onset. Mm. So I always kind of, no, I mean, obviously I'm in a relationship now, so I don't need to like be single to do this. Um, but I always wonder like what it would have been like had I come into this having been the third with a couple and then being on this side for me and understanding that other person's experience more than I do. Because for me, I just, I don't get it. I don't know what that's like. I can't even imagine. Right. You know, I think it's, it's such a, it's such a place of trust. And I don't know how you handle this, but I always am the one to have conversations with the girl separately before oftentimes I'll meet her on a walk or we'll go get coffee or whatever. Um, and there's a lot of back and forth talking about boundaries and expectations and what I feel comfortable with. And it's funny because it always turns out to be this like beautiful, like female bonding experience where it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you want that. I want this. We have similar experiences in the past. It's almost like this healing dynamic that happens and it becomes such a special thing. And it's like you said, a lot of times the girls that we have been with, they haven't done it before. And so they're like kind of new and it's different. And they're like, I'm up for whatever. I just need you to guide me. And so that feels really nice where I can almost take, sounds so weird, but it's like take a leadership role in this and be like, I'm going to keep you super safe. I'm going to make sure you're good and you're happy and taken care of. And I'm also going to tell you what the fuck to do. It's just like really interesting. It's beautiful. Yeah. I love it. I, I, there are these moments where I'm like, fuck, humaning is hard. Like Uh I just want to be a plant today. Yes. And then there's sometimes where I'm like, humaning is so cool. You know, being, being a human, getting to have these experiences, especially since having these conversations of where I'm like, just going to totally dismantle everything I ever thought that I knew about myself and everything I thought was accurate and true about my sexuality. You know, I grew up very Catholic. I grew up in the deep South in Louisiana. So once I peeled back so many of these layers and asked myself, like, who do I really want to be? How do I really want my life to unfold? Then it was like, oh, it can look very colorful. And as long as I'm willing to do the work that is required in order to get myself through it and process. And because sometimes like this really exciting thing, that's like very shiny in order for me to really have that thing, it's going to require breakdowns. It's going to require more perception shattering and, um, you know, unlocking whatever the next level is to, to life and consciousness. Like if I really want that thing, am I willing to go through the shit in order to get to it? The answer is yes. Every time, because, because the first few times I think I was scared out of my mind, like, Oh, I, I, I want to go have this experience with multiple people, or I want to go get tied up, or I want to do these things. Like, what does that mean about me? And then completely pulling that apart. And go, oh, I survived. 
and it was fucking awesome. So put me back in, mm-hmm. you know, put, just put me back in. It's always worth it. And even if I get to the thing and it's not as great, I'm still better for it. Cause whatever I had to go through in order to get to it, worth it. Well, so. you talk about kind of shattering who, who you thought you were and what you thought you could be. And it's like this identity crisis that you go through because it's unlike anything that you've ever experienced, unlike anything you thought was possible. And then you get thrown into the fire and you're like, whoa, like what world am I in? It feels like an alternate reality. And this isn't just with sex. This can be with anything, anything that is so far outside the spectrum of your own reality that you've grown up in. You're like, wait, but I don't understand this because I've been in a box and I didn't see this as a possibility. And for me, it was like the shattering of everything. And I felt like I had to go back to to ground zero and start over and rewrite the story of my life, rewrite what it was I wanted to do and how I wanted to live. And within that, every insecurity that I ever had came up in the most horrific way, <laughs> but magical way, because it was like, hey, here's all the things you haven't looked at. But now this is opportunity because you're shattered and you get to. And this is so amazing. What was your shattering like and what was coming up for you as you started to take those steps? Oh, my gosh. Keep bringing me back to this like one particular time uh-huh. in life. It was just a very colorful time. I mean, when I say like my story, then I think a lot of people, oh, you did so many things. I know recently. <laughs> um, so we just got engaged, which, you know, my partner yeah. and I just got engaged and we got engaged. Um, so like I said, deep South Louisiana, my family has a house that you have to take a boat to get to it. Like we're that South so Louisiana. Cool. I mean, we have like a normal house in a neighborhood, but we also have the Bayou house. It's called dog pound on the Bayou. And my stepdad is really excited that it has a geotag, <laughs> <laughs> even though I don't think he knows that it's called a geotag. Like somebody just really wanted to check in. That's so cute. While at the dog pound. (laughs) So, um, we got engaged there at sunset. My friends were visiting from Austin. They, they came in and we had a whole new Orleans like experience there. And, um, my mom said to me, all that life you lived to get to here was worth it. And it was some kind of like mom profound thing that she said. And I was like, you know what, Dondra? You're right. <laughs> Donder, you're right. Um, because I think there were times where she, she knew she couldn't step in. There was nothing she could say for me to slow the tornado down the hurricane. If I want to just go ahead and, cause we had a very interesting hurricane season this year. Um, but there was nothing that she could do to slow it down or to stop it or to change it. I was that daughter. My sister did everything by the book. Mm. She's a nurse practitioner. Her and her husband have been together over 20 years. They have two daughters, like one's in college at Rutgers. All of the marks of like this, you do this and this is what makes you a good child. She did it. And I thought that I was going to do that. I thought like graduate high school. I had my high school sweetheart. We were together all the way to the end of college. And as soon as I was at my senior year of college. It fell apart. Everything fell apart. I had my first panic attack and it was just like crisis. It was crisis. And I couldn't keep my head afloat. And it was from then, then went to ships just on the ground, wound up finally graduating. I don't know how I made it through, but graduated from USM and then wound up joining ships shortly after that. I didn't know you did USM. Yeah. Yep. I was certain I was going to be a forensic biologist. Wow. Mm-hmm. Little did I know. So I was there. I was actually applying for grad school and then um, wound up going on vacation with my mom and my sister and met the guy that I would get into my next relationship with. And he lived on the ship. He worked on the ship. He was new. And from South Africa, we started a four-year relationship And then the remaining two years that I was on chips, I was out by myself within that four year time that we were together. My small town was like, she's living a fairy tale. She left, she made it out. She left. She has this dreamy foreign partner. He proposed about six months in to our relationship. 
and life on the, from the outside looking in was a fairy tale. And behind the scenes, what I didn't let anyone know, because I was afraid to tell them or show them that it wasn't what they thought was literally filled with nothing but lies and cheating and deception and sadness, more panic attacks, loss of control. Um, you know, it, I just, I never thought that I would wind up being in the position that I was in and I had no idea how I got there. Mm. I was like, but I thought I chose right. I thought this was different to the last thing. I thought that this was going to be my saving grace. I am traveling the world and I would be in this like beautiful port and I couldn't get outside of my internal hell with this person. And when it, fi- when it finally came to a head and we parted ways, I went on to a ship on my own and I was afraid of everything. I was afraid of all of the men around me. I was afraid of me. I was afraid of my power. I was afraid of managing a team. I was afraid of doing any of it by myself. I just, I just was laden with fear. And then once I uh, got through that fear, I was like, oh, I'm okay. You're going to be great. Not that bad. See, you knew it was going to be better without. And then I had like a little bit of a reprieve, like you're going to be great. And then I hit rock bottom. It was Mm. like, I wasn't quite there. And then I gained about 30 pounds. I wasn't sleeping. I, um, I wasn't sleeping well. I was eating terribly. I was using my body to me. This was a, a big piece of growing up. And then it translated into adulthood is that my body is the equivalent of my worth. And if the person that I am with is not utilizing my body as the woman, then I am not doing my duty. And so at first it was don't have sex wrong. You need to wait until marriage. And then once you did, well, you're already dirty. So, and dirty is the word. And so you might as well just, you know, live up to what you've decided. Right. And so then being in this, coming out of this relationship, it was sexless. So less than 11 times per year, I felt like my body was totally, I just felt completely worthless and useless um, as a partner. And so I felt in the name of liberation, I just aired all of the desperation that was with, that I could possibly like air. Um, I thought it, I thought I was being a liberated woman. I was just using my body in ways that were not healthy. I thought that I was making up for lost time. I was getting it in while, you know, on the, and it was just alcohol infused. And I often call this period in time where I really didn't just hit rock bottom. I like threw myself on the ground in the gravel and I like rolled around. And then eventually I read um, The Power of Now. Mm. Like went, went to The Power of Now and then actually it was like the second time I had been given the power of now. And then no one ever was, really gets into it on the first time. You need to go like number two or three. <laughs> it was like the second time. And then that was, that was when things started to shift and I went into personal development and that led to what I was telling you about this, like very confident, sassy. And then I, I really think like when I look back, I'm like, wow, it's so fascinating that I could never have known what was coming. And any given moment for me to try and logic whatever the next step was or what was coming next, it was impossible. So, you know, I hear, I hear this a lot. I feel this a lot. It's like women who have had experiences like you and I, where we're not empowered in our lives, in our bodies, in the bedroom. It's kind of just like you're getting by and you think that that's the standard. It's like, you just get by, you just survive. And so they think, well, how else could I ever make it? How else is it supposed to be? This is just what my life is. And this is, this is my partner. Like my partner is not sexually driven or we don't have great chemistry, but I really care about them or I love them. And so this is what it is. How do you explain to break free of that conditioning and choose yourself and allow for pleasure and more experience? I have this conversation a lot especially in my, um, inside my Facebook group and then some of my intimate kind of coaching containers. Um, and there, there's a part of like what I've been saying in this convo over the years that seems to be really resonating for people is the, this is a personal thing and you must take responsibility for your pleasure. Mm. 
Not like a, oh, but I don't need any extra pleasure. I had enough pleasure today. Like this is a mandatory thing, like eating, breathing, sleeping, experiencing pleasure, giving your body pleasure. You must take responsibility for that and giving that to yourself. And when you make that decision, when you take responsibility for that, so many more beautiful things become available. But until you take responsibility for it, until you you take responsibility for the role that you're playing or not playing in you getting great sex or intimacy or insert anything that you could be struggling with in this department until you take actual responsibility and stop blaming the outside world for all of the things stop blaming because you know the thing is it's it's not going to change if you grew up in the church that's not going to change if you grew up um with someone in your life that was doing things to your body and to your psyche that you did not consent to and it's unfortunate but that is a reality for so many people and it's not going to change at some point you must say, okay, no more. And I take responsibility for where I am now. And all of the things that happened in the past, or I'm not going to take them with me into the future. I want to have a pleasure filled. And I won't even go as far as to say orgasmic life, because for some people they hear orgasm and it's just like too far away mm-hmm. and it's too big. Or even at the beginning of the, of, of our conversation, I'm talking about all these kinky things like I went through a relationship where I was like, I was counting on the calendar how many times every month we had sex and not a single time in that year that I was tracking that. Did we do it without alcohol? It was awful. So like, (laughs) I just want to point it out there. Like I didn't just jump into all of a sudden I'm swinging on this chandeliers and dildos are flying in the air and I'm just like, it's so great. And there's so much sex. No, I like tracked you know, less than 11 times in a year was my reality for a while. And so I had to take uh, responsibility and, and stop making it like, yeah, the, the people in my life did play a role. But how about I just focus on what I can control, which is me and how I respond to this and how I react to this. And how do I really feel about what's going on in my life? And do I really know what I want? Because I'd have people in my life that all they wanted to do, even the person that hurt me the most at that time that I was telling you about, it was a terrible relationship. But even though it was this really awful relationship, I really truly believe he wouldn't have been in a relationship with me if he didn't love me. We loved each other. And I believe that he wanted me to be happy, even though he had no idea how to make that happen. I also didn't know how to make that happen for myself. So for him to look at me and say, what do you want? and me to be paralyzed, like throat chakra, block up, cotton balls in my mouth. I don't know. So if this resonates with you and you're hearing this now, and if you were to imagine the person that you care about or a future person you care about looking at you in the face saying, what do you want? And you having no way to respond, then take a big deep breath and grab a want, will want list and sit your ass down and start asking yourself some of these difficult questions so that you can come to terms with what do you want? And then one step at a time after that. So talk to a friend about it. Maybe do the want, will, won't list with a glass of wine and your friends, and you can make a joke about it and you can bring levity in the situation. And then from there, practice communicating with someone who you might be interested in. I really love when people bring those activities into like date number two. Because it's not giving the person permission to make a pass at you or to like try to take you home and sleep with you. It's like a, hey, I want you to win. Whenever you decide to make a move and get sexual with me, I really want you to win. Because the last thing that I want is a one night stand. And I'm just like, well, that was awkward. I'm glad you got yours. I'll see you never. You know, like if you can avoid all of those by doing some soul searching and some pussy searching, if you're, that's your parts whatever your genitalia is, do some searching. What does she, he, they, what do they really want? Carry that forward. I want to talk a little bit about shame. I had, um, I had an anonymous person on my show last year. She did not want people to know who she was. Um, she wanted to talk about anxiety and letting go of control and the fact that she's never had an orgasm and she's in her, I think mid to into late twenties now. And the responses I got after that episode were mind blowing. And I didn't realize how many 
women have not experienced orgasm, whether with a partner or on their own. And I think there is such a sense of shame around I'm not able to orgasm and or I'm too nervous to pleasure myself to be in some sort of masturbation self-pleasure practice. How do we navigate that type of shame and what is the correlation with a fear of letting go of that control? Mm. So shame is paralyzing for so many people. And I had a period of time very recently. I was like, I don't know if I know what shame feels like. And then one of my really awesome conversations with my relationship coach. And I realized that though I have removed the word should from my vocabulary, I'm really, I'm really good at the language upgrades. I've removed should, would, could, actually is obviously is all the ones that have charges that are in like just under the surface, you know, I've done a really good job, but now I've just chosen other words for it. Ah, well played. (laughs) (laughs) Ones that were not the word. So I'm winning, right? Yep. Yeah. I have learned to shame with those words. Cause one, one of the things that she said is that under every shed is a shame. And if the person that you are shooting doesn't is refusing to feel the shame, regardless you're shaming yourself because it's something that you believe that they need to do that maybe you're not doing, or that you've been telling yourself that you need to do in order to be successful or to make it in life or whatever. And they're not doing the thing. And so either way, shame is present and it is paralyzing because either way you're like not feeling connected to the person that you're communicating with, or you're feeling ultimately disconnected with yourself. So, um, I love, Brene Brown's uh, definition of it, where it's guilt is I did a bad thing and shame is I am bad. Basically, I'm like bad, I'm broken. You know, instead of like, I can work on this thing. It's like, no, I'm broken. There's no hope for me. So like navigating, I think a big piece of it is finding, oddly enough, it's finding community. It's finding maybe a group of people that you can have a conversation with that have a very similar experience, or it's almost as if their story is exactly your story, because there's a lot of people that are navigating what you are navigating. And there's this really beautiful exhale that I think can happen for someone when they realize that they are not going through the thing alone. Yes. And then you get some, some peers that are maybe just a little bit further along on the journey that have made it through, you know, and, and, I want to have an orgasm is very goal oriented and it's who do I need to become in order to have this experience in my life? Like, what do I, what parts of me have I not traversed that I need to go dig around and excavate and be with so that I can have access to surrender in my body so that I can provide the trust inside of my body so that I can wind up having this experience. And you know, that is, that is real for a lot of people. And for some people, they just spontaneously orgasm for no reason. The wind just blows, hits their skin and there they go. They're off. And like, I get someone who can't have an orgasm, who just like hasn't experienced one. And then you've got this like tantrika that you just look at her sideways and she's uh, all the way into, you know, about to land on Pleiades. Fuck that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying not to shame her, but fuck her. (laughs) Yeah. But like, do you think it's real? Yeah, exactly. Like, but also give real? me whatever you're taking so I can have that too. Okay. Yeah. Like, hey, you come here. Yeah. <laughs> Teach me That's your ways. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So, you know, navigate it in a way of like, you know, you're not alone and start small. So wherever you are, if self-pleasure is like just too much for you to consider laying down, putting your music on here, I have a couple of things that can help for that person um, that I'll just share quickly is create, create a scene for yourself. And if you make a ritual out of it, a lot of times you can put yourself in a mindset. Um, you can create an energy field and a vibration around you that is more receptive and more welcoming that you can relax into a little bit easier. But if you're just like, okay, I'm going to grab the vibrator, I'm going to grab the thing and I'm just going to lay on the bed exactly as is. And there's like last week's laundry still piled in the corner of the bed. Don't do it like that. I mean, you can do it like that if you want to. And also if it's a little bit of a challenge, like get the clothes off the bed, make the space clean, light it, like go grab the, have the vibrator there, have the lube there. If that's what you are choosing, light the candle, put the music, draw the curtains, 
the whole process of getting the space ready will help to calm your nervous system so that when you go to lay down, you have prepared the space and you've prepared, you've been preparing essentially internally while you've been doing all those things as well. So kind of create a little bit of a ritual out of it. The next thing is if the idea of a vibrator and lube on the bed and all that is just like too much, then don't make the goal orgasm, make the goal giving your body a beautiful experience. So maybe it's rubbing your hands. Maybe it's taking lotion and rubbing lotion on your legs or on your arms. Maybe it's closing your eyes and taking nice, big, deep breaths in through your nose and open mouth, sighing them out of your mouth, which I know oddly enough for some people is really hard. Is really hard. Like the idea of making any sound is just like, ugh, they like can't. And just so you know, I've been there. I've been there. I'm like, all these people are just howling at the moon around me and I cannot. So, you know, be where you are and try to go one degree, like one step further instead of like, I have a hard time and I can't even touch myself. I want an orgasm and like going for gold, which some of you, that might be great. But if it's a challenge, what is one thing that you can, you can do that when you do it, you'd go, I won, I won. So if you've never given your whole body uh, a lotioned rub down experience, put your favorite music on. And if you need playlists, just find me on Spotify. I got there everywhere. <laughs> I've got so many, like put one of those on and rub yourself, put a timer on five minutes, give that to yourself. And then the next time, then maybe you get closer to your vulva. Then maybe you get closer to internal stimulation and do another podcast for that one. <laughs> Girl, I love that so much. So I'm so happy to have you on the show because you have a brand new podcast and I this do. has been a long time coming. So why don't you tell everyone about your new show? Oh my gosh. Yes. So way back when I first got started with this whole online business, being wanting to be a coach, deciding that I was going to write and blog and talk about sex and all of this, I thought, you know what? I'm going to also have a podcast because I can do everything. That was what I told myself when I first started. I can do everything. So I will have a YouTube channel and I will have a blog and I will have a podcast and I'll have all these things. And at the time it was just too fucking much. I tried to do way too much for a brand new coach or a brand new person, you know, online, having an online business. And I wound up starting a lot of things and not, not carrying on with them. Um, so that I could hone in on my craft so that I could figure out who do I really want to be in this space? How do I really want to show up? So I pressed pause on a lot of things or totally scrapped it. But one of the things that I always knew that I would bring back because I had so much fun doing it, even though I was exhausted, <laughs> was <laughs> podcasting. So I always knew that I would bring back a show or that I would have a show. And the first time around, all I did was interview experts. It was like they either own, owned a lube company or they owned a toy brand or they owned or they were like a Tantra master or they were, you know, these different author of some book on polyamory or something like that. And the thing that I thought that was missing was real people living, you know, in the field, living their lives. And so I always told myself that when I start my next podcast, I will have the experts, but not, but I won't only talk to the experts about what they're an expert in. I want to know their story on how they that wound up really mattering to them, whatever they created or whatever they're doing in the world. Not only that, but I want to talk to my friends, like people that are real people navigating sticky territory, people that I admire, relationships, people, you know, like my mom. My mom's been married five times. Oh, wow. Wild. Yes. So I grew up very, I had a lot of mixed information growing up. Mm -hmm. So I made a very colorful human is what I like to think, but she was married five times. My stepfather now has been in my life for about half my life. So he's the longest one and we want to keep him. We like him a lot. <laughs> so I brought my mom onto the show so we could talk about, like, she's not an expert in anything, but she's, you know, she's done the thing. She's done the thing. I'm like, <laughs> she's about in her, almost in her sixties. So she's lived the life. So I want to hear, I want to hear conversations with someone like her, who's been there, who's been in it and done that. And so 
conversations with people that I admire, with friends and people in my community, because a big part of what I do and what, how I, how I have a business at all, try as I might to do all of these different things. Community is where everything comes from. And so one of the things that I did right when I first got started was starting a Facebook group. It's called That Sex Group. Get it? That Sex Chick <laughs> is going to be the podcast. So, and that is what I'm known as that sex chick all across social media. Um, and so I want to bring people who are, who are in it. So I can just be like, Hey, I've known you online. I feel like my whole life let's talk. (laughs) Um, and so it's definitely a show for the people and by the people. And then also mixed in with, um, some people who like have worked their whole lives to have the knowledge that they have too. So, I mean, I'm really, really excited. And, I'm you know, really excited. You and Connor are all a part of it. Yes. We're so happy to support you. This show is coming together beautifully and I'm just so excited for people to hear it. It is truly the way I think you approach teaching and education when it comes to sex. It's just so approachable. You're so welcoming. You're so down to earth and grounded. You're not some fucking like crazy ass hippie who's like, you know, with 20 partners and then like this whole thing that no one can relate to. And you're also not someone who kind of has a stick up their butt, who's very serious about sex education. I really love the way you approach it. And I think people resonate with you so much and they're going to get so much out of this show. I just, I adore you. I love that you are part of our network and our family and I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Oh my gosh. Everyone. This is a soul fire production. I love it. Thank you for coming on the show, Alexa. I love this conversation. I appreciate you so much. Right back at you, lady. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you all so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to do so now and head to ratethispodcast.com slash Kelly to leave a five-star review. And as a bonus for doing that, if you send me a screenshot of your review before you submit, I will get you a little thank you gift in the mail. All right, we have another juicy episode coming for you next week, so stay tuned. And as always, if I can support you in any way, please reach out. Remember, I'm just a DM or an email away. See you guys soon.